Amen. Well, um, Sam and I got together on this week and talked a little bit about what's next. Um, um, let me just paint the picture of where we're at <coughs> and uh, um, the dates here real quick. Um, we have... Uh, Two weeks off. Yes. Um, so it up real quick. So we will have the uh, 20th and 27th off. So that's next week and the following week, Sundays. <clears throat> we'll pick back up again on the 3rd and go through probably the end of January. We're thinking we'll probably be done by then. Um, yeah. So... so uh, for clarity's sake, <coughs> um, uh, we've we've left. Um, good morning, Ann. We've left. Um, we, we've been going through this model, right? <clears throat> and um, in the process of going through the model, we are we looked at lies and how to take every thought captive. We looked at all the different lies that exist, um, or categories of lies, main categories of lies, and we talked about what strongholds are. <clears throat> And it's a mental construct or pretension or argument that I believe that contradicts the person, the power, or the promises or work of, of God in Christ. So as we thought, as we talked through this, we looked at um, this phase, you know, diagnostic phase, the prescription phase, and then the stabilization phase. We're towards the end of the diagnostic phase right now. And in that, we've been going through um, all of the verses that, that support that. Um, I have um, gone back into this PowerPoint and where you've been kind of writing down some of the stuff you hear, right? Um, I've actually now, Mick and I talked, um, or Sam and I did, and um, started to put the, the verses next to each one so that they follow, they flow. And uh, so we're, we're down to the very end of the, the diagnostic phase, and that's where I want to pick up today. I want to jump into our time and get on with it. And um, in the process of going through this, I'm thinking, we'll see where we end up today, but I'm, I'm guessing um, I want to finish this off if you guys, so we were just talking, Marlene and I, before everybody got here, and we were talking about just why this is so valuable personally, you know, to go through these verses. You know, I think the verses themselves, probably a lot of people, probably they're not they're probably not new to anybody hardly in this room maybe a few of them are right but but it's one thing that i think sometimes we're we become so familiar with verses that we don't allow the word of god to dwell powerfully and richly in our lives to make difference in our choices and how we think and so the process that we're going through is literally to try to you know uh coalesce the information that's in the verse to be able to understand the power behind the truths of that particular verse for um, us personally and how that plays into this particular part of the process. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So, so if it's okay with everybody, I'd like to continue going through those verses. And hopefully, I, I challenge you over the week, um, two weeks that we aren't going to meet, to do this yourself. Like, it's one thing to go through, and we'll continue to go through and, and, and pull that out and, and try to uh, get the essence of what that is on paper. But I encourage you to do that personally also with the mind that we have as we're going through this together. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? And then um, after that, I have... Um, uh, so in going through this, we're going to also talk about how to develop a high view of God today. And then um, cult cultivate, nurture, develop a high view of God and why that's important in, in, as we move from the first phase to the second phase, okay? And then, and then 
And then last but not least, um, I want to finish with uh, going back through um, Hebrews and talking about these uh, the four problems and the, and the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of, of the Spirit and the process that goes through that. That's how we'd wrap everything up, if you would, for this part. And then, uh, Sam, you want to talk about what you're going to touch on next as we close everything out? Yeah. Um, Mark and I talk. How do we, how can we, hopping that's already... Cherry or anything. Yeah, so we thought to do <laughs> moving forward. That being said, I would uh, come for... Put some thoughts down on paper if you can. I mean, do it justice to be able to leave... Well, first, the, the whole content is how... Good, so that should wrap us up through the end of January. All right, let's jump into our time together. And uh, we are... Um, <clears throat> let's see, we have uh, finished up through... Um, Last time we got together, we looked at uh, James 4, 1 through 3, and we said um, that, uh, let's see, oh, so, so we, we covered 4, 1 through 3, and it's basically relational problems are mostly in our heart, motives are self-pleasing, right, right motives receive blessings, and that was, if you remember, James 4, 1 through 3, I'll just nail it real quick, we, we covered that one, the next one, the next one, but... James 4, 1 through 3 basically says, you know, where, what are the cause of these relational problems in our lives? And the cause of them, if you remember, um, is, is our own, uh, um, our own uh, desires, right? And uh, it says, uh, the source of, the, uh, of your pleasures that wage war in your members, Okay. So, in, in essence, it's because you want what you want when you want what you want. <laughs> um, or I do, right? Um, so that was James 4, 1 through 3. The next one was James 5, 16. We looked at last time uh, also. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. <clears throat> what I wrote here is that we should be... We should be living our lives re- ready to confess our sins to the people that we have sinned against and to pray for one another. And by doing that, it will bring reconciliation and it will bring restoration and it will renew our intimacy with God. So we should have an attitude amongst us that we stand ready to own our sin when we're confronted with it to be uh, transparent about it and, and um, to confess our sin to somebody that we have sinned against. Like, there shouldn't be anybody in the world that, that is more ready to do that than us. When we have that mindset, we will pray for one another in a different way and we will, um, the process of that transparency and that readiness will encourage our hearts towards intimacy with God. Open up those doors too. Okay? So that's uh, James 5.16. Last one we looked at last time was 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. When we wrapped up 2 Peter, this was just like a capstone verse, if you remember. It was like the like summarization of everything we looked at in, in, in First and Second Peter. And I just said, continually mature in intimacy with Christ by tasting His grace and growing in my knowledge of Him. So the, 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 
the word grow is really this idea of continue to advance and mature and grow on an ongoing basis. It's not something you do now and you're done. It's just be in continual, fo- focused, intentional uh, focus on, on growing in into God by, by tasting his grace on a day-by-day basis and experientially developing your knowledge of him. Any thoughts on that? Other thoughts on that one? Yeah. This is like a capstone verse for me. It's like, like, what am I about? What am I on, often and trying to develop intimacy by growing in grace? Yeah. And the the beauty of that, don't 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 miss it. Right, is outcome of intimacy is worship of God, and he says to the glory of Him. So if we want to live and develop our being the best worshippers, we can only come from by developing. Intimacy with him it only comes from growing in grace and not experiential knowledge of him. Does that make sense? That kind of back, goes back like that. Okay, good. Ephesians chapter 1. And, <laughs> amen. <coughs> amen. First John 1 9. Oh, wait a minute. I missed one. I'm sorry. James 1 13 through 16 is the next one. My apologies. James 1 13 through 16. Okay, we did, not, we did not cover this last time, but we did look at this in depth. Um, when we were talking about this um, earlier in our study. Um, somebody want to read 13 through 16? Let no one say when he is tempted, God. God cannot be tempted by each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own. Then, when lust has conceived, gives birth to sin. So why the summary statement in 16, do you think? What's the, what's the significance of Well, I think, I think by rationalize. So, yeah. yeah. And we already concluded, right, from 1 Corinthians, uh, no temptation, is, every temptation is common to man, but, but God has with that temptation previously before it happened it a way of... So, um, so that kind of kills that one, right? So shoot that one down. Everybody else is responsible. But what else does this right, blame? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Huge. So conclusions around the implications of sin in our life. Horrendous outcomes that exist. At the end of the day really is lack of it. So he says don't be deceived one your responsibilities as David is saying and number accountability and number two um, the outcome of sin um, and the magnitude of what that is because it's trying to say um, 14 and 15 is 100% of the time 100% of the time 100 Hundred percent of the time, we ch- we, we we sin. So the question on the table is: If I want intimacy with the God, then I have to understand that that's that's the key thing here. Is is that I shouldn't become a casual perspective or, or not going to happen? Um, happen a hundred percent of the time. I may not really truly at those outcomes until I start from the First Corinthians ten passage. Is where deception here that has to do with the much. Think about it this way: is the best way to say it is like taking a dagger out and stabbing my relationship. That's what my sin. Follow verse twelve. Blessed is the man who cries. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there that suggests easiness or simplicity. Work yeah. trial here could could be somewhat interpreted temptation. I mean, you can both sides of that. Um, steady on, his point is, you'll, you'll receive life. Like, life comes from foster intimacy. Able to see that through as you... Um, okay. Anything else on that one? Um, I, I thought um, Paul Tripp does a great job of this. Um, 
yesterday. He said, let me read it for you. Really, really, this is obedience, personal act of worship, which is interesting because that, that's exactly what I've been talking talk about for a long time, right? He says, if obedience is a personal act of worship, not that way, then, then what is disobedience? It's a personal act. Every sin is a violation of a relation. I think that we often misunderstand what sin is about, and in so doing, we minimize how horrible it, is, it really is. If, if you unwittingly devalue the heinous nature of sin, you will also devalue grace that alone is able to rescue from it. First way we devalue sin is to think that sin is about behavior and behavior alone. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Sin is first and foremost a matter of the heart. Since you live out of the heart, sin always originates there. Sin is, sin is always a matter of the thoughts, the desires, the motives, and the choices of my heart. Sin is a matter of my heart that expresses itself in the behavior of my body. My body physically goes where my heart has already gone. That's powerful. This is precisely why we need rescuing grace. We can, we can run from a certain situation, location, or relationship, but we have no ability whatsoever to escape our hearts. For that, we need to point, rescuing grace. Second, we tend to think of sin as breaking a set of abstract rules. Sin is much more than that. Sin is the breaking of a relationship that results in breaking God's rules. Remember the Ten Commandments. Begin with a call to worship God above all else. See, it is only when God is in his rightful place in my heart that I desire to live in a way that pleases him. God is not in his rightful place. I insert myself in his place. I write my own laws, and I give myself to doing whatever pleases So every sin, first and foremost, is a sin against God. Every sin is an assault on God's rightful place. Every sin is a betrayal of him. Every sin steals glory from him. Every sin denies his existence and his authority. Every sin replaces him with something else. Every sin quests for his power and his glory. Every sin is after his throne. Sin is personal. Sin is relational. Even if you do even if you are not conscious of it at the moment when you're sinning, it is still true. That is why it is right for David, who has just committed adultery and murder, to say, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David is not minimizing the horrible wrongs he did against Bathsheba, Uriah, and the people of Israel. Doing is confessing the core of what sin is about. Sin questions God's goodness. Sin questions God's wisdom. Sin questions God's faithfulness. And sin questions God's love. Sin challenges God's rule personally. Sin says that you know better than God. Sin is personal, and that is why Jesus suffered and died, so that I would receive forgiveness. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So powerful. You have to get it! <laughs> I am going to buy it for you and give it to you. <laughs> so, so 1 John 1, nine really is um, having an attitude. Uh, I'm sorry, for, for James 1, 3, 13 through 16, is, having, is believing that 100% of the time I give in to temptation, my intimacy with God is compromised. And I shouldn't be deceived. Outcomes of what that is. So, so, for, let's look at first, anybody else on that one? 
First John one nine. Let's go there. First John one nine. Got that? Do nine and ten while you're at it. Okay. Is this a formula? No. Explain yourself. What do you mean? Well, I think going not to and we failed. How is it meant to be? Like when John wrote this, what do you think he's? How does it fit into the context? Of this? Okay. Yeah, cleansed, cleansed of sin, and gives us his righteousness. What else does having? I'll use the language of having an attitude of compassion uh, <coughs> do with God. Yes. Yes, yes, and fellowship with one another. Right. He also says something about light. What did he say there about light? John, you know John, okay? He's either, it's, it's black or it's white. There's no gray with John, okay? You're either walking in the light or you're walking in the dark. So, so he's saying here that this, this attitude of confession... So the, what does an attitude of confession mean then? I think Dave, Dave was really hitting on it there. The mindset, right? It's not like, oh, okay, that happened and I need to ask for forgiveness for that thing. Um, which I'm, I'm not saying that's not important, okay? I'm not saying that. But I think it's more than that here. Okay, good. Yes. Experience of brokenness, ability, um, over, really, sin, right? And not just sin, but that... I am sinful. That's, I think that's the key thing here. right? It's not that I sinned. I sinned because I'm sinful. <laughs> I'm still living in my, my, my old man, so to speak. I'm still listening to the lies of my humanness. right? And I'm still in that place that I have not left from that place. So if any of us, according to verse 10, right? if any of us somehow think that we've like jump ship from that old humanness like he, he says what like like we make him a liar and his word is not in us <laughs> okay right it's like, and, and when it comes to being broken with god what we've concluded i'll suggest for it to be sustaining in nature is not that i sin but that i'm sinful yeah. it's that my heart is exceedingly you know broken and I, I i need his grace to help me change my ability to think rightly and therefore but how do you know that so what are they claiming how did you how did you know your children are really that's an indicator yeah I mean, for sure right. totally <laughs> the fruit yeah yeah definitely but not not to think i did but the way i am <laughs> amen well he says that when i have this attitude of confession and i live in this place okay i will then I'll say, walk in the light. Okay? So because of this, I'm going to do this. Because of this, I'm going to um, intimacy God. Because I have intimacy with God, according to these verses, he says, I then have communion or fellowship with, not just other believers, I, I, I mean, adding here peace with others. I, in other words, like, my my relationships aren't aren't uh, characterized by strife or or challenge. It's just like the oil of the spirit of God is like infusing rubs all the rubs of all the relationships in my life. Allows me to navigate them. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> um, good. So then we move into um, any other thoughts on that one. Then I just said um, 
having an attitude that my heart is prone to wander and that sin is ever present along with a conf- along with confession of my known sin before God is foundational to my intimacy with um, let's uh, <clears throat> so the next verses depending on the one you have um, uh, takes a well, the, First of all, it takes us next to the prescription phase. And so um, what we said as far as concluding the diagnostic phase is, is to conclude about this um, sinful nature, not the sin. Conclude that the sinful nature exists and this nature of my sin before a holy God and to own my own sin for that um, situation or circumstance that we're working through this with. Like, I've had it. I've had it. Like, I... I don't have any answers myself to... Okay, so now we're moving into the prescription phase, solution identification and implementation. Um, <clears throat> I uh, put two... Ver- Which one do you have first? I figure there's a few different <laughs> versions sorting out there. So if you have... So wherever you're at with Romans 8.28, above that, let me give you two more that I've added to the master list here. Um, the first one, you can just write it in there, Psalm 51, 7 through 8, uh, Psalm 51, 12 through 13, and Psalm 51, 18 through 19. We already looked at those. I'm not going to pick them up again. Uh, yes, 51, Psalm 51, 7 and 8, 12 and 13, 18 and 19. Okay? And then the next one I want to look at before we get to Romans 8, 28 is, is Isaiah 40, 22 through 26. Isaiah 40, 22 through 26. <clears throat> they have 40, 22. Um, okay. Uh, would somebody read that for us? Of the circle of the bows on them and they with... So, building on that, go back to um, verse uh, um, 12, you know. Um, says, Who has measured the waters of in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens by the span, calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, weighed the mountains by a scale, hills in a pair of scales, who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or who has, or as his counselor informed him, with whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding, and who taught him in the path of justice and knowledge, uh, of justice and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding. Hold the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, um, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as, quote, nothing before him. They are meaningless by, they they are regarded by, by him as less than nothing and meaningless. So when you read this, where does your, where does your heart, where does your soul go to? What happens when you read that? God is all powerful. <laughs> yes, the mighty yeah. God. <laughs> Amen. And by the way, I think you're. That was. Yeah. For Him, for whom all, all things exist, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Said, stand down. Stand down. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Retract in. Yeah, the uncounseled counselor. I thought that was really good. Really good. Um, so, you know, why is... So what is that... What, what's happening in the things we just talked about here? What's happening there? Because we just said those things. What? Where did you 
go. Mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're making much of God. We're, we're dressing Him and His character and maybe His deeds as something that's like so far above anything that we know, that we can put our arms around. Obviously. Yeah. And 18 through 20 is this like insertion here between these passages. And he says, like, to whom will you liken God? You've got to compare him to an idol that a man makes and that you like put in front of you and you bow down to? Like, his, his whole point is like, it is so crazy that you guys are doing this. Like, what about this? Don't you understand? God is in the heavens. He created it all. He fits it all together. There's a hundred billion galaxies. Each has a hundred billion stars. Like, he glues it all together and he keeps it all there for his purposes. And his goals. Like, what about this don't you get? Like, that just like, stand <laughs> Right? I, I keep thinking of a term or a, a symbolism that would have been very relevant to the people back then, a balance scale mm-hmm. that's so totally out of balance. Out of balance. <laughs> the heaviness and the significance of God, and we're sitting up here, we're so light, we don't even register. Well, this is talking about a high view of God, right? So how do we develop, cultivate, and nurture a high view of God? Take this handout if you've got that one. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> I want to walk you through these uh, seven ways to do this this morning. Um, it, it looks like this. It's called a high, high, high view of God. So I'm going to give you seven, and then you may be able to come up with other ones. That's great. Let's, let's do that. But I'll, let me take a crack at it first. Um, the first one is, is by being intentional or by being an instigator. Let me explain what I mean. First of all, by being intentional. If, if, I'm like, if I set the course of my life to... Be intentional about learning about God's, you said it, sovereignty, omnipotence, mightiness, greatness, majesty, transcendence. I mean, go on and on and on, right? Then that will, that solves thousands of decisions in my life about sin. <laughs> because I, that trumps them all when I'm in the midst of the moment. Okay? When I believe that God is holy and God is, God is almighty and he's sovereign and he's sufficient and he's supreme, like, that is the antidote to sin, big time. Okay. The second one, being an instigator, what I mean by that is, like, when I meet with people, like, do I talk about, you know, it's not that the Cubs are bad to talk about or the <laughs> Bulls or whatever's happening, my work, okay, but if I'm not, like, declaring God's goodness about what he's doing in my life and asking them about how they're growing in Christ and, like, what's God doing to transform their heart and, like, how is he challenging you and what's, how you're working through those things, like, having a real conversation about things that matter, like, if I'm not doing that and encouraging their heart towards trusting God in the moment or or whatever, um, then like those are eternal things that are that, uh, in conversations that, that should be being had. Everything else is like a bunch of rubbish, like right? a bunch of rubbish. Like like I need to be instigating because I won't do it naturally. My natural self is to just go to these other things, maybe. But but God wants to encourage me to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. So don't leave a don't think about it. And and we've been working on it. You know, in, in some of the things that Mick and I have been working on here uh, together, 
um, is is like trying to figure out how do I leave every person thinking more highly about God than that high to them somehow. Like think about it that way. That's the instigator kind of approach, and you do it in a very just beautiful, compelling way. Hopefully, second is by understanding and acknowledging and owning my sin. By understanding, acknowledging, and owning my sin. What I mean by that is this idea of uh, Isaiah 6. Woe is me. Like, when I conclude the greatness of God and the depth of depravity of my sin, the question, my, my only con- you know, place is on my knees. Grace is, is woe is me. Third one here is being reminded by his word about who God is and what he has done. So as I read the word of God and I... I discover more about his character. And we read this passage right here, like, like what he's done and his, who he is, who should be his equal. You know, it's like, whoa, that takes me to a place like, yeah, he's sovereign. Um, fourth one here is by taking great pleasure in discovery while studying God's word. Pleasure of discovery. Whether it's God's word or God's presence when we're in, in glory, eternity, from now through eternity, is all about me coming to grips with who God is and what he's done. That will be eternity. Like, I, like, I will never fathom the depths of that, ever. If I could talk to God f- for all of eternity face to face, I still would not plumb the depths of that statement. That's utterly amazing to me. Like, after a while, I, I kind of get tired sometimes in my own person of, of, of being with somebody, you know, because I've asked them all the questions I can think of. <laughs> I don't know any more to ask. Well, what about being face-to-face with God forever? Still never, ever, ever fully concluding about who he is. That's just remarkable. That's stunning. The fifth one here is um, cultivate a high view of God by hearing testimonies of God's faithfulness. That's what... That's what Sam was alluding earlier. Testimonies of God's faithfulness and His grace. What's God doing in my life? Like if I, I need to be prepared in my mind at all times, on all places, in all situations, to be able to have have His praises like be on my lips to talk about His greatness, about something He's doing, um, and therefore raise the estimation of Him. Become. Testimonies of God's faithfulness and grace. The sixth one is appreciating the wonder of nature, including the, both the macrocosm and the microcosm of the universe. Macrocosm and the microcosm of the universe. Wonder of nature. Standing in awe of his creation. I guarantee you, when I stand in awe of his creation, I'll stand in awe of the creator. So, um, and the last one here that I had, um, did this last week, last time we got together, was listening to music and med- exalt God. Listening to music and meditating on the word exalt God. Played that song. It is well with my soul. Right. What what songs come to your mind, or words of songs that delight your soul, that encourage you to think highly of God? Lamentations. Right. Still my soul. I love that. This the way the way Tim would would sing it. <laughs> Amen. I mean, but these are the things that you know. You just Step back and you read those. Takes you to a place that you weren't before. About one place. God tells us how great He is. It is by the songs there from other believers. 
are testifying to the grace. Those are the things that press in on us, just how great God is. Well, I want to encourage you, as you meet with people, do this in your own heart, right? Um, but as you meet with people, be intentional and instigate things. Nice way. <laughs> like, let me, let me change the conversation towards God, um, about, who, about Him and what He's doing. Dave, can you close us in prayer? Father God, we uh, do that in our position. Father, for there is no and uh, recognize it. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day. I think, don't forget, I think we have a um, meeting now. Yeah.